Content warning, this book has descriptions of sexual violence against women, war, killing, and violence against women. Hey, I'm Shay. I'm April, and this is the Bitch Moms Book Club. A podcast about moms, motherhood, and parenting as portrayed in literature. Disclaimer, we're not above swearing or discussing graphic content. So if you're sensitive to that or have your kids or mother-in-law in the car, this may not be the podcast for you right now. How are you this week, April? I'm good. How are you? Um, good. I mean, it's been a couple of weeks of like kind of up and down. Uh, we like got some bronchitis. Then I went to a retreat. I'm going with you next year. Remember? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that was really really awesome. Uh, and then immediately after that, I went to a Hosier concert, and that was like transcendental like as soon as he got on stage and opened his mouth i was like well shit my whole life is ruined now (laughs) um and i still haven't recovered and yeah so um and then immediately after that i got an ear infection so i'm still dealing with that on the come down from that so yeah been a week of a lot of different feelings (laughs) or a couple of weeks of a lot of different feelings yeah, my kids had hand, foot, mouth last weekend, and it was awful. It was awful. My son didn't eat or drink for like three days and had like sores all over, and he still has some, and I'm just like, nope, can't do this. Tis the so. season. Yeah. Yeah, we like had it. to go in uh, for a ringworm a couple weeks. Like a month or so ago, we just got the bill for that, and our insurance was like, "Well, it wasn't preventative, so we're not going to cover it." And it's like, it's preventing other kids from getting ringworms. I don't know, like, I don't know. How do they not pay for ringworm? That's ridiculous. You can't yeah. just let it be. You have to fix it. They're like, "Well, we cover preventative stuff," and I'm like, "This is this system is the stupidest." Is this your bitch and piece for today? can be it. My bitch and piece is just the American healthcare system. I feel like I don't have to say that much about it. Everybody knows this whole thing. It's also open enrollment season and we have to try and just, you know, it's like we can't, my husband's insurance is cheaper, but not if I'm on it because then we have to pay another surcharge to put me on it. Uh, But mine is better, right? Like mine is, yeah. And so it's like, what do we do with our kid? Because like, whose insurance is, does he go on? If yours is better, is he yours the one that your son is on? Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's like it has a lower deductible, but a higher premium. It's not that much higher, but like it's just it, it's also a lot more well known. So we know that we can go to most places. Yeah. And so, yeah, we have high deductibles, so we get an HSA and yeah, and then we don't go to the doctor very much. Well, we didn't used to. And then, (laughs) yeah, then Then you got a kid and then my husband turned 35 and like it's just been downhill for him since then. And now I have a kid who goes to daycare and I think we talked about this in one of our last episodes. You're always sort of towing that line of like, when do I take my kid in? When do it like, yeah. So it's like, don't want to be the parent that takes them in all the time for nothing, but also don't want to be the parent that misses something important. Like I did with my son and his ear infections. Yeah. And like, I have this ear infection and I haven't gotten it. And I'm just like, well, all they're going to do is give me antibiotics. And I mean whatever i guess <laughs> if you just took the antibiotics then you would feel better faster i'm just living on ibuprofen it has been nice teaching though because my students I, i'll be like oh if you talk too much there's a lot of talking happening in the background it hurts my head so please don't talk very much you know what i'm just kind of going over on a lot of bits and pieces this generation is so shitty at whispering. Like, I think this is another thing where they like 
are kind of reeling from the pandemic, right? Like not having to be in class. And so like they could just turn themselves off and no one would hear. They're so bad at whispering. Like either I have super hearing or they're just shit at whispering. (laughs) Because I'll be like literally kids in the back corner of the room will be like chatting and I'll be like, guys, I can still hear you. Gen Z is just really bad at whispering, and I think they just have never had to practice it. Or, like, pass notes. Like, come on, guys. Like, why that, are you so bad at being teenagers? Learn the folds, <laughs> man. There are specific like, folds for notes. You could just... I mean, it's not a big deal. It's just like, wow, you guys just don't understand any of the tricks. Not like we were perfect students, but it's like, at least I know how to freaking whisper. This is how you know we were not perfect students. Actually, I think we were probably pretty close to perfect because we were roommates and I know better. In class, you were the perfect student. Anyway, do you have a bitch in peace? I do have a bitch in peace. Um, My, I am mid sewing project and I didn't attach one of the foots wrong because I was paying attention to my son who was in the corner and saying, ow, ow. I, I look over and he's playing with scissors and cutting his shirt. And so I wasn't paying attention. I stepped down and the thing wasn't on all the way. And it went. And now it's dead. And I'm mid sewing project for something that I'm supposed to have done for tomorrow morning. For my daughter. Yay. Um, So just, you know, I can't freaking take my eyes off them for two minutes or they're slicing their shirts off. And I don't even freaking know. Oh, hold on. Um, I just got a text from my babysitter saying, will you please let your daughter know that her fingers will be just fine if she washes her hands, please. I took my daughter, precious moment, I guess, I took my daughter to get her fingernails fancy painted. Um, One of the moms that I'm friends with does those dip nail things. It was awesome. And it like is hard, kind of like gel and it stays on for real. And um. And now apparently my daughter is not interested in washing her hands because she's worried that um, they will fall off, I think. So, you know, got to protect those perfect nails. I'm like, no, you can still wash your hands. Anyway, I guess that's kind of a bitch in peace, too. Um, What is it with children not flushing the toilet and washing their hands? Like, and then acting like I don't know because I didn't hear the toilet flush. I'm like, did you flush the toilet? She's like, yeah. I'm like, I didn't hear it. She's like, well, no. I'm like, go flush the toilet and like wash your hands. This is ridiculous. Okay. All right. Do you have a precious moment for the week? Oh, you told yours. Uh, Let's see. Yeah. I guess it was a precious moment. Um, I don't know what mine is. I I was making eggs this morning and he wanted to look and so I got his chair and stood up there and was like oh that's a nice egg (laughs) that's cute (laughs) so he was just like very happy about his egg and then he ate it and put all of his dishes in the dishwasher without my prompting him to do so so that was uh kind of sweet that's awesome um don't know how often that's gonna happen so I'll take it need to go back and rinse off the plate but well, yeah it. but it's baby steps <laughs> yeah um okay so i have a i have both books i have a children's book and an adult book okay so my book today is called my many colored days by dr seuss um this is a book that is an oldie but goodie so it's like originally published in 1996 um i'm pretty wasn't Dr. Seuss dead by then. Anyway, My Many Colored Days, um, it goes through how a kid feels on different days, on bright red days, how good it feels to be a horse and kick my heels. It talks about like feeling slow and low down and then feeling really manic. And then like, anyway, I relate this book to how it feels to be bipolar and to have bipolar and some days you're up and some days you're down and some days you're fine and some days you're angry for no freaking reason anyway i have identified with this book for years so i bought a board book version for my children um my grandmother gave me my 
the original but um it's really good the pictures are cool it's very kind of fluid very bright colors kind of almost eric carl but without the pieces of paper you know um yeah so it's a really good one i really like it and it's a great way to describe bipolar disorder to a child uh yeah so what's our grown-up book today five quarters of the orange by joanne harris joanne harris is like one of my favorite authors um yeah she wrote shuck a lot mm -hmm. she's written also it's not really a series it's more of like a duo um about loki that's the central character she kind of is, is a cross-genre writer she's written all mm -hmm. over the place um but yeah she's she's up there on one of my favorite writers uh she's a really beautiful writer but also she's one of those writers that has this like she has a voice and a style you can tell it's her but like is also really good at making the story sound unique to itself yeah. but like her loki books sound different than her french novel yeah um or her like literary novel i tried to read blackberry wine by her which is like the like she says five quarters of the orange is my mother's family story and um blackberry wine is like my father's side um i got through blackberry wine it just felt really boring to me and this one is definitely slower moving again kind of like the red tent um but it's good anyway this has also been in one of my top yeah. few books um because i love it's just amazing. Well, I guess we should do the spoiler alert, but it's just amazing to me the way the mother is portrayed. So when I was younger in college, I really identified with I really identified with the main character, um, Framboise. 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 Um, so something you all may not know is Shay is fairly fluent in French. Not at all. But oh. uh, I More than probably me. could speak like a four-year-old. Maybe not quite that. Um, I lived in France for about seven months as an au pair. Uh, I always really liked French. I took high school French um, and lived there. So, um, And you I do, do French know, on Duolingo. I do French on Duolingo. So I, I know f French. I mean, I know of French. I'm just not very good at it. Um, I'm not fluent. Yeah um anyway so i really like this book and i don't know how to pronounce most of the words um i have a hard time with these books specifically because i have to like constantly look up uh what things mean in french and that's hard for me and kind of annoying so maybe i should just learn french stop being a basic bitch yeah um, i believe joanne harris is like partially french or lived in france for a long time or something like that so a lot of her books um, are set in France, like Chocolat is set in France. Um, and so she, yeah, she uses a lot of that. Oh. Half French and half British. Mm -hmm. Anyway, okay, so we're going to kind of jump in to Five Quarters of the Orange. All right, so here is your spoiler alert. We open Five Quarters of the Orange with... 60-something Framboise Simone, who has returned to her hometown of Les Lavous, um, living on her family farm that was abandoned for a while. And it kind of opens telling the story of what she, her sister and brother were all left with from their mother's inheritance. Um, and one of the things that I really like uh, that she says in here, so here's just a quick description of the mother. Um, she says, a fairly unequal distribution of riches, but then mother was a force of nature, bestowing her favors as she pleased, leaving no insight as to the workings of her peculiar logic. And as Cassis always said, I was the favorite. Not that she ever showed it when she was alive. For my mother, there was never much time for indulgence, even if she'd been the type. We were a hindrance to her with our noisy games, our fights, our quarrels. Um... If we fell ill, she would care for us with reluctant tenderness, as if calculating the cost of our survival and what love she sh she showed took the most elementary forms. So, you know, this really starts with the story of, of this woman who is um, 
very reserved and honestly seems a bit angry all the time. She's a pretty typical, like, silent generation mom, right? She's doesn't talk about a lot. She's sort of, I do get the impression that she's one of those moms that like, well, I had kids. I got married and had kids because I was expected to do that and there was nothing else. Um, and so she kind of, it seems like she's probably harboring well, that. Well, and she's right? alone. Um, which I think a lot of, yeah. And I, I, I think a lot of um, older you know, boomers would relate to that with it, yeah. with their own mothers. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't really give out freely any sort of love throughout the entire book, pretty much. I think there's like one moment where she, you know, Framboise notices that she like extends an olive leaf. And of course, being the teenager she is, Framboise is like, and I threw it back in her face. Yeah, it's like, it's a good representation of just like generational differences, right? Like we think like, oh, that's a very cold and callous thing to be like such a cold mom that's not openly showing emotions. Like that's, that was pretty common for that generation. All right. We're, we're in this generation of them being told like, oh, you shouldn't coddle your children. Uh, it's also um, Europeans have sort of a different, I mean, even still today, Europeans sort of have a different uh expectation of what parenting looks like um i mean not to say that they aren't affectionate and loving with their children but um there are a lot of culture right? there's a cultural thing where a lot of cultures where like openly displaying affection is not a part of that culture um so yeah she's it is easy to kind of be like oh she's such a cold and callous mom and like she has her problems she definitely could be better uh, but there's a lot of factors in play when we're talking about parents in different, cultures, in different generations. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. this is set partially in World War II and and partially basically the present. Um, it's probably like the like 80s or 90s. It's probably, I think, yeah. would be the time frame. Yeah. So it spans quite a while. Um you know, Framboise talks about how she has a very complicated relationship with one of her daughters. She has two daughters, um, a few grandchildren, one of her daughters, Noisette. Noisette. Who lives in like Canada or something as far away from her mother as she possibly can, who still lives in Les Lavous. Um, So she, she really has a complicated relationship with everyone. Um, she is the most like her mother as far as emotional connection. She really became her mother almost to a point um didn't talk about things kept things really tight to her um she's opened a bakery or crepery um in Les Lavous and no one knows who she is which she references she's like no one knew who I was so it was safe to come back she goes by a different name through most of the book because of what happened so there's a lot of illusion and foreshadowing of like this big thing that happened um uh, because of the war and and so th we have all this build up and really joanne harris does a really good job because it's not like a constant like it's not a fast book but it does have that plot that's very consistently growing throughout that you get more and more information and i kind of like those books um by kind of i mean i really like those books where it like moves even if it's not super fast paced her mother leaves Framboise to be journal. And there's like lots of recipes. Her mother was a very good cook. Lots of recipes with like notes scribbled in the sides. And she, basically the book goes through. It's like a diary. Yeah, a diary recipe book um, where Framboise is like decoding all of it throughout the book until she finally figures it out. Um, Yeah, so... Once we go through the intro, it jumps back to 1942 during the German occupation of France. Uh, the German forces land in an area right next to um, Les Lavous. And so they're not there, but they're there a lot. Um, she's nine. She's living with her brother Cassie's, who's early teens, and her sister, Ren Claude, um, and the mother, Mirabelle. Uh, the dad had already died on the front and her the mom is prone to migraines. Um, and when she has migraines, it smells like oranges. 
which the children, but mostly Framboise, um, really fixates on um, and basically tortures her mother by using orange peel. Children are little shits, honestly, sometimes. Like, again, this book is great birth control because I'm like, oh my God, no one would want to have a kid if it was torturing you. And she does. She tortures her mother. Anyway, there's this part where she goes to the market with her mother. She finds an orange. She like pushes it off a person's cart in the market and then like picks it up and takes it home. And this German SS officer like watches her do it and like smiles and like can see her doing it. And then she uses that orange to to torture her mother. That's what I'm going to call it. It's torture. Um, And then a girl a year younger than her dies so she's very fixated on mortality so her dad has died this girl has died um you know there's this pike in the river uh that is supposedly like old mother um it's this very old pike and everyone wants to catch it and she especially like becomes she's like i am going to catch her and kill her um which is another theme that kind of runs through the book is this legend of this giant pike yeah it's very met it's a yeah. metaphorical fish i haven't quite worked out what the metaphor is but definitely about trying to catch something that shouldn't be caught right? like it, it yeah sort of fixating on the big fish uh really thinking about that so yeah and she yeah. uh it sort of comes up a lot and she's i mean it's She's just kind of running around. It's 1942. There's war going on. So, like, they're regularly hearing about people dying. Um, and then, like, so she's getting a lot of kind of weird things. Um, also, at the market, her mom alludes to, m- makes an offhanded comment about one of the women that owns a shop there about her, like, being kind of money grubbing because she's a Jew. <laughs> uh, and yeah. And, Framboise like takes that and is like, oh, and then it's like, you got it's it's a, it's a great example of like you got to be careful with what you say around your kids. I'm not always great at that. My kid's only three and a half, so it's not a big deal. But mostly right now, he just picks up on swear words. But right, like just she catches this and she's like, oh, and even though she doesn't quite understand it, she like gets the tone of like, oh, this is something. Not yeah, a good this is thing. something covert and like secret and like, um, yeah. And it's like I can, I can think of things that like my mom had said where I was like, ooh, like I, right. <laughs> so like just being careful Gossip. about what you say and how you say it around your kids, not even like to them, just about other people and like how they're going to internalize that and how it will mm-hmm. shape their perception um, of world. And I think this is something that we see a lot in parenting today that we're like becoming aware of that. Like, right. Like, how do you talk about your own body in front of your daughter? How do you talk about other people's bodies? Right. Like we. Yeah. And I think that's where like racism comes in too, is if you're saying things that insinuate that someone of color is not good even if it's just one person, you're like, oh, well, they're black. That's why. Like, you can't you can't do that for a lot oh, of I reasons. Mean, that was that was my own life. I mean, I grew up with sort of like internalized colorism and racism. I was raised by two white people and like they I mean, they weren't like overtly racist, but they would definitely say things of like, oh, you can't braid your hair like that because it looks too ghetto. Yeah. Um, or like you can't dress like that because you don't want to look like a thug. And in my mind, I was like, oh, like, do rags mean you're a thug? And yeah. Yeah. So it's like, and like, they're probably not even aware of it either, right? Like, they're probably just thinking like, I'm not racist. I'm just making a comment that like, what you wear present is like presents you in a certain way. It's like, no, now I've had to turn it around and be like, no, how you perceive someone because of their cultural whatever messages you've been hearing Mm -hmm. or thinking or having presented to you is the problem (laughs) yeah so um the mom kind of makes a snide remark so basically um 
Mirabelle buys some parachute fabric from this woman who just found it. And she makes a comment about like, well, of course she sold it and she could have sold it for less. I mean, she didn't pay for it. Um, so, and Boss, so would you say her name is Boss then when they call her mm-hmm. Boss? Hmm. Boss, boss. Calling her yeah. boss. Um, so Boss really internalizes that and is like, hmm, now I have information. So, um, and then she starts gaslighting, uh, torturing her mom by hiding the orange pill around the house so she can sneak out. Um, she finds, um, her sister and brother are going to school in Angers, Angers. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so they're going to school and they like have these little secrets. And so she, she finds um, lipstick underneath her sister's mattress and is like, yo, what's this? And she confronts her and she's like, what are you doing? And she was like, nothing. And she's like, well, now I know. So you have to, you have to do something for me. So basically she learns that her, her siblings are like selling information to the Germans about like a teacher who was watching parade performances. They, the Germans were in the schoolyard. Um, and so they basically sell information about people to the Germans, <sighs> which results in lots of things. Because they're getting little trinkets. Yeah. Like it, she she does sort of mention, like, they're very young. It just start, sort of started off as something innocent, being like, oh, like, our teacher has a transistor radio. And then she gets lipstick or, like, baseball card. I'm mean, not baseball cards because baseball's not a thing there, but you know, they get they get little kid trinkets where they're and like it's nineteen forty two, they're occupied, they're they're poor. So like to them they're like, yes, treats that they never would otherwise get because they have a widowed mother. Right. Well and even no one would get because they live in occupied France in nineteen forty two. Like it's the end toward the beginning of the war, but it's still like things are suddenly cut off. Um, so they, they start, you know, the brother and sister start telling these stories. Um, and then boss realizes, um, that she can also, uh, tell some stories. So she goes out and she steals some of her brother's money. Really? It's, I feel like it's the kid's money anyway. So she has to like swim to this dangerous spot. It's called lookout point and get onto this these rocks and they like put their treasures there so anyway she digs up this money brings it back and her brother's like all impressed um they they go um into angers and they cross paths with those german soldiers her brother cassis means current like a a fruit okay so you know funny i when i was an au pair i had one of the kids i watched was named after a fruit that's so funny. And really, we don't do that in America. Apple and well, I mean, there is an apple, but like pear and blackberry and peach. No, we just let the British people do that because it's weird. Fine. Well, maybe our uh, words for fruit aren't as pretty. <laughs> anyway, so um, Cassie's goes and he sneaks over. They're at the movies and he sneaks over to the Germans, um, specifically this one German and starts telling him information. And so she sees Tomas, um, how do you say his last name? Leibniz? Like Leibniz? I guess. I don't know German. I'm assuming it's Leibniz. Oh. I don't know. Um, who? And he's the guy who saw her with the orange. So he was the one that like smiled but didn't say anything. And um, she lets slip some information about um, Madame Petite, who is Jewish. And so they start trading more and more information. And um, Framboise. And Madame Petite goes missing. And they're like, oh, well, she went out of town, which she didn't. Everyone right? in the village like justifies people leaving. They're like, oh, they just went to go visit their brother. With their brother. In- and like, they're yeah. in an internment camp. A death camp um and so so yeah so they keep like giving information to them um cassie starts to kind of lose it he's he 
really catches on to what's going on and he realizes that this is very, very serious. Like what they're doing has consequences. And he kind of blows up at Boss. And um, but she is She's only nine. She's just like really whatever, I get treats. Everyone's everyone's going on vacation. That's what everyone's saying. Right. And she views Thomas as like a role model or at first it seems like a big brother. Um, and then we realize she's basically in love yeah, with him. She's fast. Which is weird. I mean, I imagine it's like, did you not was that never you? You got kind of fascinated with like teenage boy. I mean, not in a like I don't know. It's hard to describe because I like wasn't into boys, but I was still like when a teenage boy would talk to you, you felt like very special. Right. And you like latched on to that. She also doesn't have a dad. So she's like he's sort of this weird. That's why I think it's more like of an old brother. But he's also attractive and too young to be her dad. So there's a lot of things there that she's, you know, her her maps are getting crossed in her head she's on the verge of puberty she doesn't have a dad and uh he's yeah and this is someone paying attention to them and spending time with them and um yeah so so yeah it's it's pretty interesting um and then we go back to the present day so you know we start seeing this picture of kind of the bad things that are happening. Um, but the kids are oblivious. But as a reader, you're like, holy shit, this is bad. Like, this is really bad. Um, and that was one of the things that was hard for me because I was like, how how do you teach your kid? Like, don't trade information for sweets. I mean, we're lucky enough to not to live in a war zone or a war place right now or world war. But like, that's not true for everyone. Palestine is being attacked and um, Ukraine is being attacked. Let's be real. Palestine is genocide. Um, so just in case anybody was wondering where we stand on this, Palestine, I mean, it's genocide. That's where I stand on it anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's we are set up. Like we see these stories and we think like, oh, well, like that's crazy that they would do that. Like that wouldn't happen here. But it's like our culture in America is set up to be very competitive. So like there is reward for telling on other people, right? Like or exposing other people. And like I I do want to say like I do want to preface this like before you know I don't want anyone to take this out of context. But we are, you know, we do sort of set up this competition of like, if we're, if we're not careful, you know, we've set up this thing of competition, but also the sense of like, who we tell on, um, and what we say about them, right? Because it's like, well, we know that it can destroy people's lives. But when it's justified, right? Like, I don't want people to think like, oh, well, like, well, the Me Too movement is this kind of witch hunting. It's like, no, we're exposing people who have been doing wrong and like maybe you know of course the nazis thought like they were justified but like no (laughs) uh we so it's it is a we still have we still have to be careful about that too of like how do we teach our kids like what's tattling and like what you're exposing the wrongs Well, and I think one of the examples to use with the Nazis is that they were judging an entire group Mm -hmm. of people, right, by something that maybe one person. I don't know what happened to Hitler. Really? What? uh, I'm fine. Um, the, The things that people internalize. Anyway, this is the problem with white supremacy um and misogyny okay men should not be in charge of the world okay um so they're back to the present day uh cassie's son yannick tries to imply to fram that the farm should really be his um he basically says like this is my inheritance and i will talk to my lawyer to get it back um and fram's like i bought this from your brother like you you can't that's ridiculous you cannot do that um, I'm not leaving. I'm not giving you my recipes. Like, no. 
so Yannick and his wife, Lore, um, own a restaurant and it's not going well. The marriage is not going well. No. The restaurant is not doing well. The well, the marriage, the restaurant, <laughs> um, nothing. But she, the aunt, was, was? Mm-hmm. I keep second guessing that. Um, Boss is doing well. She has regular customers. Everyone loves her food. So they try to get the recipe book because they're like, well, this should be all of ours too. Like, what a treasure. Um, this is this is something that we want. Like, we'll sell your recipes and you won't even have to be in there and we'll keep your name out of it. Um, and so so really they try to do that. And Boss is like, no. I'm I'm not dealing with that. Um, and her daughter, Pistache, which is like pistachio or pistachio. Is it is the actual way you pronounce that pistachio? Pistache. Oh my goodness, that's interesting. Um, so her daughter comes to visit at the same time. It's summer. Her daughter comes regularly in the summer um and didn't realize that she had family and a cousin. Um Boss never talked about her own family. And so um, that really shocks and makes Pistache angry because she's like, I had this whole family, like you're hiding things from me. And you realize that, you know, Framboise and Mirabelle are not that different. And they're both hiding things and not coming forward with things and like living their own separate life in their head um, that they can't share, which you know, makes sense when you're in the middle of a world war uh, to a point, but also doesn't once you're past that. But like mother, like daughter. Honestly, I feel like this is not true for maybe you, Shay, but I feel like I get more like my mother every day. I do in some ways. I'm very conscientious about yeah. not being in other ways. Yeah. And then um, it, it does sort of... Oh, and then the snack cart guy Yeah. Comes. And so we get... It does sort of, this is where um, I think Boz is forced to start reckoning with her past and like revealing it to her children and starting to get like honest about everything that happened and everything that was done. Um, because also the the uh, town, um, because her... Because she sort of has gained this little notoriety in this village, she realizes like things are about to come out uh, because her name has been used and people are going to start uh, connecting her to to the past, to you know her family. Um, and so they're going to start recognizing her. And then she also ends up in this little kind of feud with this guy who like runs a snack cart and like parks it right in front of her shop in front of her creperie plays, and uh plays loud music is basically a jerk. Uh, he tries to like run off he, he he does he affects her customer base and like um and then she's just like what am i supposed to do uh, and then a childhood friend um reaches out and is eager to help her oh. paul right so he so the snack guy um plays like he doesn't know what's happening um he's like yeah totally we could turn down the music and then the next day he turns it up louder and it, it's um really intimidation right he gets all his biker friend dudes to like rev their engines outside and um her customers are complaining or not coming back but her friend paul, paul? is it paul? paul it's paul paul Okay, well, I'm going to say it like a white American. Uh, Paul is um, her friend and really has been her friend for years. So they were kids together. He um, is a regular customer. And so she sees him every day. He orders the same thing. Like he's just very steady. Um, And so he is like, well, let's figure out a way to do this. And he's like, do you want help? Because you never ask for help and you should probably ask for help. And um, we realized that basically he knew who she was the entire time, um, even though other people in the town did not. He was like, yeah, I. Yeah. Anyway, I know this. Um, then we jump back to 1942. Um, 
Tomas meets regularly with the kids and he tells a story to Cassis um, about how his brother was shot as a deserter. Um, he was terrified and he was trying to now be the son that his parents never thought he would be. Yeah. I think that's um, interesting. When I when I was reading that, I was like, this is an interesting characteristic to give him. Like, So it, it sets him up. I don't want to say this. Like, It sounds... It's kind of problematic, let's be honest. Uh, it sets him up as like, uh, like, we sympathize with him. So he's a sympathetic Nazi. Right? He's forced into this. And it's like, yes, and realistically, there are a lot of people that were forced into being a part of that um but we do get right like it's a it's a really common trope that ends up being in a lot of world war ii books of like oh well you know we don't want to uh it was like some of them were good and like not all of the nazis were bad and it's like if we keep getting this story over and over again right like and we this is you know Again, this is sort of bringing us to like the stories that we get told and perpetuated and how they can get get into society and like how we view them. Right. Like, where are we today where some people are like, well, Nazis aren't that bad. <laughs> right. Like we see neo-Nazism sort of on the rise. Right. And they're like, well, you know, they just thought that they were doing right. And it's like, yes, but also no, <laughs> like we can't just keep justifying their behavior. No, they they knew it was wrong. Mm -mm. I, I don't care what kind of feelings you have about a group of people. You don't go round them up in the middle of the night and murder them. And people knew that that's what was happening. Like, it wasn't a secret. Okay, we I'm do fine. also have to step back and understand, like, these are very complicated and nuanced times and very complicated and nuanced subjects. Like, people themselves are very complicated and nuanced. Like, we can't ever, you, you can't just, like, wrap people up into one story. But... I have, there is this trend of the sympathetic Nazi that, you know, redemptive, there we go, the redemptive Nazi, right? Like, oh, he like was just forced into it. And like, there's a movie that's coming out, All the Light We Cannot See, or is it a show? Anyway, like, I loved that book. I love that story. And it also has sort of a redemptive German soldier in it, right? Like, it is built up that he was very much like just put into it. Um, but I think we have to be careful with those stories of like not letting them, you know, we stand at this risk of parsing out something and holding it up as like an example of everything else. So it's like, well, if we can parse out just like the few of them, there were a few good apples. So that means all of the apples were probably good in some way. Right. Like, <laughs> so it's like, well, not all yeah, men. Yeah, and so it's like, okay, um, again, it's a great book. Um, I'll go see and read All the Light We Cannot See. It's a beautiful story, but sort of keeping in mind, like, let's not blow up this trend of, like, trying to sympathize with the wrong side. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and I have a theory about Tomas um, that I'll get to at the end, but Anyway, he's meeting regularly. Um, the mom takes morphine for her migraines. And with... She's an addict. Um, I mean, totally. <laughs> um, and which is probably why she's having more migraines. I mean, minus the fact that, you know, boss is like trying to get her to think she's having migraines. And it's almost like... Is she just nervous about having a migraine or does she smell the oranges and assume she's having a migraine and therefore manufactures the fear or of the manufacture of the pain? Yeah. It's like she thinks she's going to have a migraine. So she like uh, manifests the migraine. Um, she starts to lose it um, and then she ends up like beating her daughter. She's running out of morphine. Yeah. Uh, and she's an addict um and she needs more and so she's she's unraveling because she's basically in withdrawal <laughs> yeah and um and then Boyce uses the last little bits of orange to help them sneak out one more time they go um spy at a like a pub in town 
Um, and I feel like they want to meet with Tomas, um, even though that doesn't end up happening, um, because they're kind of watching everybody. One of the German soldiers uh, goes outside with a um, a sex worker and they like start doing it against the wall. Um, they're all listening and they're like, ooh. And yeah, the kids are like sitting on the other side of the wall and can hear and like one of them shifts or make a noise or something and the Germans around can hear. Yeah. And they're like, what? So they realize someone's there um, from from Boyce and her brother take off running and like hide. But Renette stays there. Cassis runs. Right. But she like moves somewhere um, because they find Renette. Renee. Oh, Renette is dumb and stands up because yeah. the Germans call out and they're like, who's, who's there? there? Show yourself. And Renette is like very, she's very, she's a very good girl, right? She like, uh, she, she is obedient. And so she stands up and uh, Framboise is there kind of catatonic. She can't run. Um, mm-hmm. Can't right? run, and can't move. But then um, they haul her sister over the wall and assault her. Yeah, Boaz doesn't realize it. She's just fearing it. So um, Right. But we know. I Um, mean, we do as readers. She does it. And it's not like fully explained what happens, right? Like we don't know the extent because it gets interrupted. Right. But the villager who steps in is like, you can't do that. Like, she's just a kid, um, gets killed. And then Tomas um, comes out and is like, whoa, 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 whoa. Um, Kind of shushes things up. And then the um, villager's body is like found in the river and washes up. And then there's this huge like issue. Um, The mother stops taking the pills because she can't get any more because Tomas was her... Well, she also recognizes what's happened. So, yes, like in her little journal, it, you know, there's a passage where she's like, I, I have to be here for my kids. Like, I can't no more morphine. Um, I can't do it anymore because of what's happened. Right. And like that is a common thing we see, too. Or like kids, uh, we keep I keep saying this. Kids get you to do motivate you to do things that you didn't think you were going to be capable of doing. Um, and so she's like, I gotta, I gotta get clean for my kid. Like, I think she's also harboring some guilt of like, I was so out of it that I wasn't paying attention to what was right in front of me. And like, if you go back and read through the beginning, right, regularly, it comes up like Renette is so beautiful. Renette looks older than she is. She looks 16 when she's 14. Um, and so like, there's that whole foreshadowing like we know what was going to happen um and her mom was just like oblivious and you know kind of wrapped up in her own grief and stress that she just you know tried to self-medicate and eventually it led to other things (laughs) terrible things things yeah and so she stops taking the pills i think part of that is because tomas was her dealer basically um I'm pretty sure that's what's insinuated. Anyway, um, so she then um, someone writes terribly. It's like painful to read because it's spelled so wrong, but it's German whore. Um, And she gets really shunned. Yes. Yeah, she's quite shunned by the village, which was it, which did happen quite frequently um in france like after the war after occupation um women who had been caught cavorting with the german soldiers in any way shape or form whether willingly or unwillingly or uh were treated poorly. yeah they marched to the streets and had their heads shaved and like yeah sort of scarlet lettered i guess you could say um and so this sort of starts to become their mom's thing uh the whole village kind of turns against them and um, her mom becomes more present, but it's also like not great for the family. Too late, too little, too late. Um, She starts getting really threatening letters also with terrible wording, spelling and um, 
basically it's later revealed that she was sleeping with Tomas. Um, so what's amazing to me is that we don't get even a hint of that really earlier until it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I guess we get that one time when he comes into the house and is like, oh, you live here? And he realizes the girl, the kids live there and he's like really uncomfortable and he's like, oh, don't worry about telling your mom that I was here. Like, no big deal. So things are really heating up. In the present day, we jump back to the snack cart and the guy. And so they realize that this guy is related to Yannick's wife, Lore. Um, and she's basically like hired him to terrorize this woman and this town. And um, so she realizes one of the girls that he's flirting with because he's very handsome, you know, and all the girls think he's so hot. Um, one of the girls he's flirting with is the police, like the captain of the police's daughter. And she's who 15. Is underage. Yeah. Yep. So in the same kind of category as Renette, who was very pretty and seemed older than she was, maybe. Um, and so that's what they finally find to get the police officer involved. So yeah, he comes and is like, get out of my town. Yeah, it's a a parallel between, you know, she couldn't do anything for her Renette, but she's going to do something for this girl. But not really for the girl. And the way, herself, but. Yeah, but the way the way that the um, captain like takes down this snack guy he basically like walks around and like starts jacking it up and like tips it over and it's hilarious and paul and Boyce are just like so so thrilled um but really her customers don't all necessarily come back and then we jump back to 1942 the germans are starting to disappear um fram is desperate to try to get tomas to stay uh convinces him to help her catch old mother she's like got it on a right? She's basically got it. Um, and he jumps in and starts swimming and tries to get the fish. She gets the fish out, but then he drowns. Um, he, yeah. Um, and then Cassis, Cassis um, helps her get rid of the evidence that could tie it back to them, but their mom thinks she killed him. Um, and then the other Germans come through and start, basically, they come and try to find Tomas. But there was a part that made me think that maybe Tomas was a spy instead of, like, the Germans, like a German. Why? So they put all of his stuff um, down the well, and then she realizes... She says, I recognized them at once. For a while, I thought it was just a bundle of leaves. Pulled it out with the pole to clear the water. Clean the raspberries and wipe off. The so she, like, is going crazy and, like, writes in code. So um, I must have done it, she said. The mom, Mirabelle, says, I must have done it. I've dreamed of violence so often, and this time I must have really done it right. His clothes in the well, his name tags in the pocket. He must have come around again, and I did it. What were they doing at La Rep? Maybe it's a good thing what happened. It spoiled things for him, at least. And then she's like, what did he offer this time for my silence? More pills? Uh, there's always a price. Take someone else. You know, um, so for some reason, I thought maybe he was a spy because the Germans come looking um, and asking everyone if they have talked to Tomas or like interacted with him. And that's why I feel like I think it, I think it's more like he was just protecting her. And so he was like, he would give up or do things to protect her. Same. Anyway, so um, in retaliation for Tomas's death, the Germans round up any of the people that were at um, the pub in town and kill them. They all blame um, Mirabel and her family. And so that's really the big thing that is why um, Boyce doesn't want to um, the town to know who she is because it it culminates in this really terrifying time where um, the town basically knocks down their house, lights it on fire, and comes after them. Um, I think they also 
assault the mother. She, like, gets shot in the leg. Yeah. But, like, it's more than just that. Anyway, so so she gets really hurt. Um, The kids run away, but she gets hurt. And then Boyce, like, makes a sound and her mom is able to get away. And so that's kind of how we leave that town is um, in 19 in the 1940s is that like there was this huge thing and everyone blamed her family for it. And so they had to run away. Um, Yeah. So that's how that ends. Um, And then she and Paul are sitting there and she's kind of telling him the whole thing. And he's like, yeah, I know. I, I, I sent the threatening letters in revenge for your mom yelling at me because he had a stutter and it was a thing. Um, and then they end up together because they're madly in love and have been forever. So it's the end. Yeah. It's, um, it's a, it's a ride. The whole book. It's, um, I mean, I love his, I love historical fiction. Um, so, um, I'm always really into it, but she's a really captivating author. Um, and, I don't know. It's just really, it's really beautifully written and like harrowing, uh, just to sort of think of the history, um, kind of behind that and and in it, uh, as well. Um, one thing that sort of came up for me as I was reading this was thinking about again, like those generational parenting, um, like today where. You always hear boomers and Gen Xers being like, kids today are so soft and they have no independence. And it's like, yeah, because you didn't let us, right? Like, you have to remember, like, who is raising whom here, right? Like, it's like, yeah, well, you guys got, you always have to remember, like, parenting trends and really just any sort of generational trends tends to be in direct response to the one that came before it. So... We don't let our kids just sort of go out and wander unsupervised because our parents got to do that. And how many of them have stories of just like terrible things happening and like, right? Like they'll just be like, oh, yeah, like we set a cat on fire or like, yeah, like I would just regularly get beaten up by people on the street because there was no adult supervision. (laughs) And it's like, well, we hear those stories like maybe that shouldn't be it. But it's also like. They were growing up in this time, you know, in the 70s, 80s is sort of when we started getting the 24-hour news cycle. And they're hearing about children being brutalized and kidnapped. And so, you know, they internalized that and then raised us to stay inside and be afraid of going outside. And so now they're like, why don't you let your, like, you guys are so soft. We just went around and took care of ourselves. And it's like, yeah, but then in the same breath, you'll have to be like, oh yeah, I like got my leg cut off and like took hours for someone to come find me because everyone just thought I was outside playing. Okay, I've never heard any of these stories. (laughs) What? I I mean, mean, the kidnapping, yeah, but. They're exaggerated, but like, no, I just, I remember my parents' stories and there was always somebody like being set on fire and like animals not being treated well and like people's getting beaten up a lot um but yeah like kids i don't know like i hear people now being like yeah my kids we just didn't see them all day and it's like well we often are parenting you know if you felt safe when you were parented right you you try to emulate that if you didn't if there was something that came up traumatic you're gonna try to not do that thing so it's like they were you know coming up from that and being you worried that like they didn't want their kids to kind of experience that and so we're sort of like now you see this trend of like we're gonna believe our kids when they tell us something about someone we're gonna you know we're gonna let them go out and play but like not ever you know we're gonna always keep watch over them like we don't we don't leave our kids alone ever because we just you know we we've we were kind of left alone as kids and we are reeling from things that happen from that. And we have the media now that's sort of perpetuating all the fears. Um, not to say that that's healthy. It's just like, of course, of course, we're raising our kids differently and thinking about how much more we are involved in our lives um, and, you know, for better or in, involved in our kids' lives for better or worse. Yeah, I don't know. 
So, yeah, it's a, another one of those stories with like a fraught mother-daughter relationship um, where it's, you know, ends up being that they have a fraught relationship because they're two alike. <laughs> she did also name yes. her kids after food. She named them hazelnut and pistachio, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, relationships are complicated. But, um, yeah, we, you know, it goes to this idea of, like, generational trauma, right? It just continues on, and so many of our patterns as parents will continue on for many generations. And the secret, the dangers of, like, not being honest about your past and your family and like yeah and like what that can do if you're yeah hiding things yep so um a good book it for a long time it was one of my top five of all time um i think it has been bumped down since i read it the first time but it's still a very good book um i own it i will keep it forever um i really love the writing and the story and it's just beautiful um and you know they changed their story in the end. So thanks for joining us for Five Chords of the Orange. Um, you can find us online on our social media. Mm-hmm. We are, uh, we are, we'll have one more episode for the season and then we will take a little hiatus. Rate and subscribe to us on all the social media platforms. Um, write us a review unless you don't like us and then go away. Okay. Well, we'll see ya. What are you doing? Resting. <laughs>